Previously on the Division Three's Finest Podcast. Taysom Hill, I'm telling you guys right now, will be a great NFL quarterback if he steps in in New Orleans. Next Peyton Manning, Taysom Hill. What? No. From what I understand, you've moved on to the uh, personal training game. Uh, so, like, what are the best kind of steroids that I could get? That's a good question, man. <laughs> uh, you took Sprite Cranberry you took, over. You took Mr. Pib over Dr. Pepper. I'd rather drink my own piss than cranberries. <laughs> <laughs> I don't fear the mellow ball at all, and then, uh, like, those guys, they're always, they're like, they're half asleep all the time. I think what Shub yeah. is I try and ask is, do you, do you not have dragons? Yeah, and they I feel like really good. I, I know. <laughs> this is this is the most energetic I've seen you all day, honestly. So, Maya, what do you do now? Yeah, I, I work Jacob. Uh, I'm a professional now, big uh, professional guy. Episode 77 of the Division 3's Finest Podcast, coming up next. What's up, guys? Episode 77 of the Division 3's Finest Podcast. How's everyone doing? Good, man. Happy to be here. Um, just getting, Things are reopening around the world. Uh, you'd love to see it slowly, but surely safely, of course. Right. Um, but yeah, just happy to have another have another show with my friends. Yeah, you know, well, Gil said, happy to be here. Another notch in my belt. Uh, haven't missed in a few months, and I'm not letting it happen anytime soon. Hey, there you go. So, uh, second interview of the night. Uh, we recorded this on a Wednesday night right after our interview with Michael Matea of the Atlanta Braves. Uh, but we're doing something a little different uh, with our intros from now on. Uh, basically, instead of our opening music, cueing our interviews, uh, we'll be doing a short five-minute preview of our podcast for the day. Uh, just to give you guys kind of a taste of what's to come and to go over some of our favorite moments from the show. But shoot, my friend and my podcast recurring guest, do you want to do the honors of giving us your thoughts real quick? Yeah, I will. And first off, thank you for mentioning me as your friend. You know, I always have to question that. I'm very happy. He, he needs, needs, your he needs assurance. assurance. Yeah, I need right. assurance every week. Because, um, you know, some of our Fortnite games get really heated and I kind of screw up. So, you know, sometimes I just don't think you're my friend after that. Uh, but yeah, the biggest thing that stuck out to me, you know, is a we'll that great, out. great interview, you know, long list of things I could talk about, but the main thing I want to talk about is his son, uh, playing for him this past year. Uh, like just kind of like the dynamic of that, like, you know, a lot of kids when they get, when they're looking for colleges, you know, they're, you know, they're trying to get away from their parents, but kind of like the guts it takes for both the kid and, you know, uh, you know, coach to have his son come play for him and go play you know, vice versa, go play for your dad because, you know, there's always going to be, you know, kids in the locker room. One kid, even in the locker room or, like, around the school or just around the country or, you know, even if you're the best player in the country in Division Three baseball, you know, someone's going to say, oh, his dad's the coach, that's why he's playing. Like, there's always going to be someone saying that. And it's kind of a guts that, you know, it takes from the kid to, you know, probably know he's going to have to deal with that eventually, but it's still sticking it out. And then, you know, the coach having, having trust in his, like, current guys in the locker room that knowing – you know, him bringing in his son, you know, trusting that's the right fit for, you know, the program and that it won't, like, it won't disrupt anything. So I think that's a pretty awesome dynamic that how that works. So that's why I really liked about this interview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I thought he had a lot of great points, a lot of interesting stuff to talk about, pretty smart guy, funny guy for sure. Um, he'll get into it, um, and I talk about it kind of at the end, but just kind of his, the attitude he kind of gave to his team, you know, when he first had to break the news about, 
uh, the season being canceled and stuff. I just thought that was a pretty, pretty good way to look at things. Another similar to the Michael uh, interview, you know, just something that you know people can use in their everyday lives. So that stood out to me. Yeah, that stood out to me for sure. I don't want to go over that too much because I don't want to spoil that part of the interview because he had some really good points there that I think we can all apply. If you're not playing baseball, it doesn't matter. You can apply to your daily lives. But another thing is he had an awesome superstition, probably the best superstition we've heard from a coach so far on the podcast. So I'd look out for that one for sure. I think our rapid-fire questions were all good uh, for this interview as well. So... Yeah, definitely one of my favorite coach interviews. Or I mean, I won't specify one of my favorite interviews of all time. So I'm I'm glad that yeah. he was you know he was happy to come on the podcast and do this with us. So definitely glad we were able to you know record this podcast with him. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's all we got. You know, we'll let the let the interview do the talking. Uh, we'll let you guys you know hear it for yourselves. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Babson head head baseball coach Matt Noon Ben. Uh, we're gonna need the air horn. For favor. A few moments later. Now joining us on the podcast, this is his first appearance on the show. He's the head coach at Babson College, one of the best D3 baseball programs in the country. And out of all our guests we've had on the podcast, Coach Noon actually had the fastest response time we've ever seen agreeing to come on the show. We've had Coach Laverty from Chapman on the podcast a few weeks ago, and he responded to my email within like an hour. I thought that was fast, but you personally replied within like five minutes saying yes. So I think, I think you're excited to come on the podcast here with us today. But nevertheless, Coach Matt Noon, thank you for joining us today. First question, how's quarantine life going for you? Well, that's probably why I got back to you so quickly. Um, quarantine life is a huge shock to a baseball coach's system who's used to being out in the field and running around and, right. you know, kind of relegated to desk duty. So I, I guess um, probably the one positive out of it is that uh, my inbox to my email has not piled up like it usually is during this point. Of the that's good. That's definitely a good thing. Yeah, so the first big-time journalism question here, the theme of our podcast name, Division Three's Finest, comes from us being former yet very elite Division Three athletes who now have transitioned into the podcast game. Uh, but like most Division Three athletes, we were mainly just playing baseball for the love of the game and trying to play as long as we could. Now, you're beyond that. You had an incredible coaching career at Babson, capped off by a College World Series appearance last year. Uh, but just real quick, give us a quick intro on yourself, your baseball background, and what's your favorite part about coaching Division Three baseball? Yeah, it's a lot in one question, but my, my simple background is um, kind of grew up. I grew up in the Boston area playing uh, three sports. Um, you know, loved hockey, played football, played baseball. I was fortunate enough um, played in the Labor Day tournament my senior year in high school, and the Princeton coach was there. He saw me and uh, ended up recruiting me, and I landed at Princeton. Kind of had a journey there, like. Everybody else, I think I, I dreamed of playing professional baseball, and you know, four years after that, it wasn't really in the cards. So um, I got lucky. I was I had a, a roommate whose dad uh, was the head baseball coach at Northeastern University right here in Boston. I don't know if you know Neil McPhee, but you know, kind of a legendary coach. And um, he had a pitching coaching job opened, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was kind of holding out hope I might get drafted. And, uh, you know, for, for short money, I became his pitching coach. I ended up securing a teaching job the same time at the high school. I went to St. Sebastian's here in uh, the Boston area. And so 
that started my journey into coaching. So I was really lucky. I had a kind of teaching job that allowed me to coach college baseball. And I had a college baseball coach who let me grow into the job. He handed the pitching over to me right away. So I, I had our on-the-job experience right away. This is back in 1991. You know, the climate was a little different. There wasn't the recruiting circuit in the summer that there is now. So I was allowed to do a lot of fun things in the summers. I worked a lot of camps, got to meet a lot of people that way. I was fortunate enough I coached uh, a couple summers in the Cape League. Um, some really good experiences there. Um, you know, my teaching career was progressing. I was coaching hockey. I was coaching football at the high school level. Um, so I was kind of learning on the job, not really knowing, you know, where it was going to take me. And then um, then Epson College opened up. I was kind of itching to be a head college coach. Didn't know much about the school, even though I lived a couple miles from it. Seems like I just started, and I think that speaks volumes of... You know, the school I'm at, the type of kids I'm coaching, the program I'm at, the level I'm at, that, you know, I honestly don't feel like it's work and it's going by. It feels like it just started. So, you know, I have great enthusiasm for the place and I've loved every minute of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Sounds like you're in a pretty good place for you. Um, so typically, you know, at the end of our at the end of our podcast, we'll do some rapid-fire questions, um, usually just lighter questions, some quick hitters, uh, make things interesting, maybe, you know, loosen you up a little bit. Um, but we're going to try it a little bit different and move it to the uh, – we're going to do a couple now and save a couple for the end. Um, so, like I said, they're going to be lighter, just looking for some quick answers. But if you have a side story, definitely feel free to expand on that. Um, but are you ready to get started? Ready to go. Awesome. All right, so first question to you, what is the most important part of coaching? Um, I think being a good role model for the kids you're coaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. So if you weren't a baseball coach, uh, what would you be doing in life right now? Uh, you know, being from Princeton, I'm sure there are plenty of directions you could have gone, uh, you know, if it didn't end up being baseball. Wow, that's a really good question. My, my uh, dad was a lawyer, my Thank two you. brothers are lawyers, I probably would have gone that route, but... Who knows? I, I, I've never really looked back, so I, I can't really see myself doing anything other than being around baseball and kids mm -hmm. and coaching. That's sure. So, speaking of baseball, do you have any crazy superstitions, maybe from your playing days, or maybe now that you've uh, become a coach, and, you know, also, is there any weird superstitions you've seen from any of your players or, or former teammates? You know, I, I think like all ball players, um, you know, I have superstitions. The older I've gotten, I try to say they're routines. Um, <laughs> one of the ones that I kind of evolved into was um, I, I like my coffee in the morning. I try to get to the office early. I stop at the coffee shop. And kind of on game day, when I when I reach into the cup for the stirs, I kind of think in the back of my mind, is it going to be a game where we need a lot of runs or are we going to play good defense? So if, we, if I think we're going to need a lot of runs, I grab a whole bunch of stirs and stir the <laughs> coffee with a bunch of stirs, and then if I think it's going to be a defensive day, I'll, I'll try to grab just one or two. Um, I know it's 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 wasting wasting the uh, sticks at Starbucks, but I, I don't even know how I started doing that. I think I did it by accident one day, and we scored a lot of runs. Yeah. All right, when I need runs today, I, gra I grab a lot of stirs. So maybe I that's mean, a quirky I... one that's evolved. Yeah, that's awesome. I can see the connection, though. Yeah, like I actually like that. I can see where, like, like you said. I, I, obviously, I don't know where that originated, but I can definitely see. You know, yeah. I I can see that. I'll give you another good superstition in baseball. I don't know if you guys know, but I I uh, throw left-handed BP for the Red Sox in the summertime. So I've had this opportunity for the last fifteen years to uh, 
be in and out of the, the Red Sox clubhouse. And, and, and Jacoby Ellsbury was a really superstitious guy, and, and I didn't realize how superstitious he was until there was a doubleheader one day. And um, he always had to walk in the same door, and he did something where he touched the door a certain way or came in a certain way, but he had a great first game of the doubleheader. And um, I don't know, a couple of hits, maybe the game-winning hit or whatever, and then, you know, they do the day-night doubleheader. So I noticed that he showered, got completely dressed in his clothes. I'm thinking, oh, maybe he's going back back and getting something coming right back. And it was like 30 seconds later, he just got out the back door, came in the front, and, and redid his entrance to the, uh, the night <laughs> game, you know, in between games with a doubleheader. So I was like, these, yeah. it, these guys these guys are uh, pretty uh, routine-oriented. Yeah, you had to run it all the way back. All right. Um, so what is one thing, uh, if you could, what would you change about college baseball? Wow, that's, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I think college baseball is just so great on so many different levels. Yeah, you know, you'd like maybe another coach that, you know, you'd like more scholarships, all those things. But, you know, I, I think college baseball has it figured out pretty well. Um you go to any level, Division One, Two, II, or Three. There's great excitement. There's kids that are playing hard. Uh, what I love so much about college baseball, and especially Division Three, you know, most players aren't on scholarship. Most players are figuring out how to pay for it, and the the passion and the dedication for it. Um, you know, I think if there is a college game that has it um, done really well, I, I think it's college. So. You know, other than the usual coach stuff, you know, more scholarships, more money, blah, blah, blah. But I, I think we got it right, and um, I, I truly appreciate it. And I think, uh, you know, you guys who follow college baseball, you go to parks anywhere, and you, you see the excitement and energy there on cold northeast days. You, you know sure. there's something special happening. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. I, I think that's why you see, like, maybe a lot of, you know, you kind of touched on it. Schools at every level get, like, that kind of energy. You know, you see talent pretty much all over the place. Um, and then this is the, so we got one more rapid fire, and then we'll get back into the more, you know, serious baseball questions. Um, yeah. So what is the one breakfast food that you couldn't live without? <laughs> the one breakfast, I tell you, in the, in the season, I'm not a big eater. You know, I get nervous on game day still, so I like, I like something light. Um, I love Frosted Flakes during the uh, baseball oh, season. Mm. That is a good pick. That's a classic right there. I feel you. That's a good one. <laughs> All right, so we're going to get back into some more, more of the serious questions, and again, we'll have yep. some more rapid fires towards the end of the podcast. Uh, but before jumping into your journey to the College World Series last year and other coaching questions, uh, let's just start with the present day. Uh, obviously, these are tough times for anyone involved with sports, uh, with everything being put on hold due to the coronavirus. But personally, for you, what's been the toughest part about dealing with the situation, and how have you how have you been able to stay positive with with your team and family? Um, you know, that's a good question. You know, when when all this stuff was unfolding and the season was, you know, rapidly changing in that week in March, you know, we went from we had a great weekend down in Texas where we were flying high, getting ready for Florida, and the AD tipped me off. He said, "Geez, you know, you know, this thing's getting serious. We may not let you guys track." You know, he said, well, if, if we can play, we'll play. And, and, you know, so he was positive all along, and our school was supportive all along and saying, you know, we, we have to take precautions, but we're going to do everything in our power to play. And then that, as that week unfolded, they canceled that trip. You know, we still held out hope that we were going to play. And then I was watching uh, television, 
and I heard that the NBA player had come down with it, and he, I get a text from the AD minutes later, and he said, geez, this is not looking good. But he, he was still positive through it. But ultimately, within the span of, you know, 36 hours, our season was over. I had to deliver the message to the kid the season was over. You know, and then we had to make arrangements to get them out of campus. But the one thing I, I said we weren't going to do, and I, I said at the team meeting, is that, you know, this problem is a worldwide problem. It's serious. Um, everybody's in the same boat. We're not going to feel sorry for ourselves. You know, we had a fall season where we were together. We lifted hard all winter. We have a, you know, good indoor practice season. We had a good trip to Texas. You know, things were cut short. But, you know, we have our identity as a team. We have our character. We're not going to um, be upset about it. We're not going to say, oh, what was me? Because, you know, people are sick. People are dying. People are losing jobs. You know, all, all those type of things. So we started right off with a real positive mindset to it. You know, and then when we get sent home, we try to uh, check in with everybody, make sure they stayed current with their studies. You know, there's still questions about summer ball, so we, we were sending them workouts, and I was sending them to some throwing schedules that they could possibly do. You know, and then as, as the, the rut has hit and we're all um, locked up, I, I think it's getting harder to stay positive and get itchy. But, you know, for me personally, I'm, I'm lucky I'm home with my family, my three children, my wife. You know, we're staying busy. We're having dinner together every night. You know, I think uh, my wife said it to me the other day. Said, you know, you know, the one positive that that's come out of this is that, you know, we've we've never had this many dinners in a row with the kids. Um, so we're trying to look at it that way and, and stay positive. And I think, you know, for me, I try to check in with the team. You know, we started doing a few of those Zoom things, and I think they were getting a little sick of looking at me. So. <laughs> try to send them an article. I try to send them a podcast. I try to, to to think about baseball. Try to send them some motivation about getting ready because summer ball is going to start. But ultimately, what I said to the guys, I said, when this is all over, there's going to be winners and losers, and we need to be prepared to be winners. So we got to stay in shape. We got to stay positive because at some point we will get back to it. And I just want to be the team that's ready for it. Um, and I think that's a little bit of the mindset of our program in our school in general is, you know, we're going to compete, we're going to control what we can control, and just be ready when it all shakes out, because at some point, the ump's going to say play ball again, and we have to be ready for it. That's a lot of good points to go off. I, I don't think we've had, you know, that positive of a response to that question, yeah. so I think th th that was definitely a ton of good points there for sure, and, you know, we can only imagine it's even tougher for you guys coming off an awesome season last year. And like you mentioned, starting off 2-1 and one against an exceptional team in Trinity down in Texas. But where do you guys go from here? I mean, you talk, you touched on this a little bit, but, I mean, especially with the seniors or any of your seniors planning to come back for a fifth year. And what kind of things are you guys doing now to continue to develop and get better despite, like you said, there's going to be winners and losers after this. What are you guys kind of doing to make sure that you guys are going to be winners after you guys get back to normal? Well, I'm really lucky at Babson. We have phenomenal coaches. So, um, you know, our infield coach, Bruce Ginsburg, is um, staying in touch with our guys, you know, making sure they stay positive. You know, it's one thing for the head coach to kind of send out the official notes, but he's really good at texting and checking in on guys. Our hitting coach, Con Cortman, um, you know, is, is talking to guys about maybe some of the old videos he had of them and just, you know, kind of checking, checking in with them to make sure that, you know, baseball's on their mind. And then... 
one of the more valuable things that we have that's, that's very tangible is we have uh, a fantastic strength coach at our school, Coach Joel St. Saint, Cyr, and he's been unbelievable sending the program. our guys workouts, um, everything from body weight workouts. He sent one out the other day where he said, grab a backpack, fill it with some old weights you have, and gave these guys you know, workouts that they could do. So, you know, it, it, trying to stay motivated that way, trying to stay... Uh, best you can you know we keep saying keep an eye on your summer season check in with your summer coach you know different parts of the country are going to operate different ways and just just be ready to go but i think but i think the constant message from our coaching staff has has really helped our guys kind of stay focused and, and be ready to go and just touching up on that how about your uh, seniors though like are any of your seniors planning to come oh, back for the fifth year what's your situation yeah, with that? you know we're trying yeah we're trying to sort that out with a couple of them jake oliger um has had a couple d1 looks um so he's trying to sort out where he wants to go to grad school i think he's got the ability to be a kind of an impact bat and center fielder at division one so he's trying to sort through what his options are i, I think he'll end up in a pretty good place we have a couple guys that want to come back and do grad school at Babson. Babson's in the process of kind of tweaking a couple programs for all seniors. That could be uh, really an attractive option for our guys. So we're trying to sort that out with a few, a few guys. My guess is we'll have two or three back. We'll have one go off and play, and then the other guys um, you know, will go off and start their journey and their, their lives in the real world. Uh, so Ben kind of touched on it. Uh, we can get into your College World Series run last season. Uh, first of all, congrats. And if our, reset, our research department is accurate, uh, we believe it was your program's first ever appearance uh, in the World Series. Yep. So hopefully, yep. so, yeah, awesome. That's, you know, again, congratulations. And hopefully that's just the start, you know, more to come. Uh, but just talk us through the season last year. You know, was there one specific moment maybe early on or maybe during the season where, you know, you thought, you know, these guys have it. These guys could be special. Um, and what was the difference between the team and years past where you guys were still successful but maybe weren't able to climb that last hurdle? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question, and it's really hard to answer. Um, it, was, it, was a, it was a good journey. We, we had a really um, good group and a good team playing in a good league and a good region for the last couple of years. Um, you know, we'd won the league a couple of years back. We, we were in the... You know, we had to beat UMass Boston twice, and then the next year as a quarter, we they had to beat us twice, and they did. So we, we, you know, we, we fell short two years in a row. In in each of those years, though, we graduated some really good players, um, and then we backfilled the next year. And but last year we had a, a core of seniors that battle tested. We you know we had shortstop, second base that had played a lot of baseball. We had four or five guys in the lineup that played. We had some juniors that, that were really battle-tested. So for the entire fall, winter, they were really focused. Um, they, I think they knew they were pretty good. I think we were a little bit um, hurt by the fact that we came so close. But I never felt like that was the driving force. I think that these guys love to play, and they love to work at baseball. You know, we'd be at practice. And they just really enjoyed being down there, and they worked so hard. And then I'd see them in the weight room, and they'd be getting after it. Um, and they always had good energy, and they were really tight-knit. The seniors were great to the freshmen. Um, you know, we were truly a team. 
And, you know, we played good baseball the entire season. You know, we went down to Texas with that series with Trinity, which is always tough for a Northern team. You know, we, we won one, we lost two, but we, were, we played really well. We figured some things out. We played a, a tough schedule in Florida, and we played really well. And then we got up north, and um, we caught some breaks. And I think to be a good team, you got to catch some breaks. And the biggest break that we caught is we came out of Florida, our pitching was lined up, and we played some people early up north whose pitching wasn't lined up. Um, so, so we pitched really well early, and then we took advantage of some guys who had a thin bullpen, and guys got off to good offensive numbers. I think that took a lot of pressure off. And then we just played well, and the, the thing about that team, uh, if I could ever bottle it and sell it, I'd be rich, but you never felt like you were out of a game. So if we gave up runs early, we never panicked. Um, we just hung in there all the time. We won a bunch of games late. Um, they were, like, really tough. You know, we beat good pitchers. You know, there was good pitching in our region last year, and we just we always just hung in there with them, and, and we were a tough team to get nine outs, I mean, nine batters out every time. We just kept turning the lineup over, turning the lineup over, and then we were consistent. Um, you know, we, we played... Um, lost the open in our conference tournament, and then we battled all the way back. We were down three in the ninth. Should have lost it, and we hit a walk-off grand slam to win it. You know, we ended up losing in the finals, and then we won the regional, and then we just we played just good, hard-nosed baseball the whole year. So they, I don't think there was one moment where I said, you know, geez, this team has a chance to do it. I thought all year long we were really good. I thought all year long we were tough. I thought all year long we had the ability to beat anybody in the country. But as a, a realistic coach knows, you, you know, by getting to the World Series, you know, a lot of things have to fall your way. Right. Um, but good teams really create those opportunities and help those things fall your way. And I think that's what we were. Um, and the one thing I think that that helped us is that we coming off the year before. We had our bullpen figured out on day one. So we knew what we were going to do in the late innings from the first game of the season right through the World Series. And, and guys performed, guys stayed healthy, and we never deviated from that plan. And I think that consistency gave us the opportunity to win a lot of games. And if you look at the box scores, we won a bunch of games late. And I think that's what good teams do. And I think that's what teams that get to the World Series have to do. Yeah, so just going off of that, obviously, you know, an amazing season that hopefully you guys can replicate and go a couple steps further down the line. But just talk to us about some of your coaching, goal, coaching goals moving forward. You know, obviously, Babson is a powerhouse Division Three program now, and this recent World Series run wasn't a fluke. You guys have been knocking on the door for a long time now, as you mentioned. Uh, but what now? Is it as simple as, you know, trying to maintain that success or winning a Division Three championship? Uh, what are some of your main goals for the future of Babson baseball? You know, I look back on my whole time at Babson, and, you know, I don't think I ever said, you know, I want to win a national championship, I want to get to the College World Series, I want to win regionals. I, I really just stayed focused. I, I want to, you know, just have the hardest working team, have a tough team, have a team that's constantly trying to get better, um, and just just play really solid, fundamental baseball. I, I want for our program is that we play somebody, people will say, geez, that's a hard team to beat because they do all the little things right, 
And when we beat them, it's like we had to truly beat them. They never gave us the game. And I've, I've kind of been consistent with that. Now, obviously, when you, you know, when I first got there, you know, I wanted to win the league and get to the NCAA tournament. You know, and then when I get to the NCAA tournament, I wanted to win a tournament game. And then you get to a tournament game, you want to and win that. You want to win the regional. And then, you know, Super Regional and the College World Series. So we accomplished, like, those things. But they were never real sports. I think they were the byproduct of achieving what I think are better goals of just playing hard, playing tough, playing well, and just having this uh, amazing passion to try to get better uh, every single day. And I and I think if we keep doing that, we have a chance to to replicate the past success. You know, obviously, I I like to hoist the trophy at the end and win it. Um, I think if I talk about that too much I think we lose sight of what's really important that's getting better and improving every day uh, so I try not to put those too far in front of anybody and just we show up every day try to work hard and get better and see where it takes us and just based off that answer you know it seems like you guys are definitely your program is definitely a process oriented system rather than results oriented so I mean just going off that how do you keep your players focused on the process of you know being tough nosed instead of always being results-oriented. Yeah, I think that's a great challenge for baseball coaches because you have box scores and batting averages. Right. But, you know, I try not to, I try not to, you know, evaluate players on batting averages. You know, we have a few, a few things that we value, like, for instance, with pitchers that, you know, we, we talk about we want to limit walks. You know, we pound the strike zone. So, you know, if, if we make everybody think that goal, I, I think that leads to greater success. So we try not to, you know, focus on, all right, how many walks did you have? We just, we try to focus on, we're going to, you know, make guys beat us with hits, you know, and then offensively, it's, you know, don't, don't try to do too much. We just talk about keeping the line moving and just, you know, take what they give you and just work and trust the guy in front of you that he's going to do his job. Trust the guy behind you that he's going to do his job. And if you do his, we'll string a few hits along. We'll string a few good at-bats together. And then, again, we'll be a tough team to beat. Uh, try not to give away outs by doing stupid things. Um, I think what's what's helped us, you know, probably in the last seven or eight years, if you look at our kind of fielding percentages, is you know, I, I brought in Coach Ginsburg to um, you know help me, and he's really passionate about infield play, and he's he works those guys really hard, um, and he's got them excited about being good defenders. So I think we've played really good defense in the last seven or eight years, and I think that's coincided with it. So, like I said before, it's like if you, if you throw strikes, you keep the line moving, you play good defense, and you're tough, you're a hard team to beat. And I think that's what we've tried to do. And we're getting towards the end of the podcast now, but just a few more questions and we'll yep. do the rest of our rapid fire. But another reason why your program's success is even more impressive is the fact it seems like recruiting could be pretty tricky uh, sometimes in your situation. Uh, with Babson's academic standards, not that Wikipedia is always accurate, but it estimated the acceptance rate is about 24%. So it seems like it might be difficult sometimes uh, competing against other schools on the East Coast. But uh, just a little exercise. You know, yeah. No, it's, I mean, not to interrupt you, but I, I know where you're going with it. It's, um, you know, when I, when I was a young assistant coach, I used to sit behind myself and recruit, and I used to listen to coaches complain about how hard it is to recruit for whatever reason, whether it's academics or this, no money, this. And I vowed that I would never 
ever complained when I became a head coach about recruiting because there's a country full of kids playing baseball that want to play and, and recruiting and being successful is about finding kids um, that fit your school. So, um, you know, we're a small business school 10 miles outside of Boston. There's a lot of people in this country that would give their right arm to be a part of that type of thing. So I don't view that part of it as a challenge. I, I view that every school has its unique qualities that make it harder than some, easier than others. And what I try to do is just focus on all the great things that I see about our school, try to let people be aware of that. And I think as you guys have figured out that, that we've been able to get some really good base uh, with that type of attitude. So, you know, I don't, I don't get negative on, you know, acceptance rates or costs. You know, it's, just, it's trying to find people that are a great fit for our school. We're a wonderful little place, you know, in a great part of the country. So, um, you know, I'm really lucky to be offering that to kids because it's, it's very palatable for a lot of people. For sure. And just going off that, um, just a little exercise we wanted to do. So we'll give you a minute or two on this. But let's pretend I'm the next Toby Welk, like the, the D3 player of the year last year. A shout out from the program. <laughs> But what's your pitch to me and all the potential recruits out there? Why Babson? I think uh, very simply, you know, you go to college, you get an education, and we're the number one ranked business school in the country. And that's, you know, pretty impressive. So when you, when you leave, you're going to leave with the number one degree in your field. I think this day and age, um, to have a, a degree that's something specific is business, and I think it's, it's post-corona, world is going to be, I think the tangible skills that you get in the business education are going to be crucial to be successful in the world. So we have that going for us. We're in a beautiful part of the country where Wellesley, Massachusetts is 10 miles due west of downtown Boston. It's one of the most beautiful suburbs in America. You know, it's one of those campuses of 2,000 people where you don't have to lock your doors with green grass, beautiful trees. You know, it's postcard, pretty New England campus. Yeah, we are 10 miles from Fenway Park and all the action of, of Boston. And I think, as you guys know, Boston is one of the most attractive cities in the world for college people. There's 250,000 undergrads in, in the Boston area, and our students are part of that kind of energetic, vibrant population. You know, and then you get that. We have great athletic facilities. We have fantastic baseball facilities. I think you play for a program where the coaches are committed to getting you better. Um, you'll have a chance to, to play at a highly competitive level. Um, you'll get a chance to play a highly competitive summer ball. And I think you'll be in a program that's around kids that love baseball, that are tough, hard-nosed ball players, that view themselves as ball players, but also recognize the great opportunity of being at a number one ranked school. So I think we have a pretty solid package to offer anybody. Yeah, I have to agree. That was pretty good. Yeah, if if I could do it again, I'd probably I'd have to put Babson near the top of my list for sure. Yeah, that's it's a great it's a great spot, you know. And I think you can hear the enthusiasm in my voice when I talk about it, and I truly believe it. You know, we get good people all around. You know, we're attracting just a, a good hard nosed ball player, a kid that loves baseball, but he's not just a knucklehead ball player. Right. You know, we we get our, our you know I get eighteen years worth of classes graduating and, and you know the things they're doing post-college are just really impressive you know it makes me really proud as a coach and to be proud of a part of the, the Bastion community and just following that up so we did our homework before this interview that's just what we do on the division three's finest pod 
But we saw your son, Tim, just joined Babson for his first season last year. So just a few questions yep. on that. Uh, first of all, what was Tim's recruiting process like and what's that dynamic been like so far? I know from personal experience that can be challenging at times. My dad was actually my band teacher for three years in high school and he coached me as well. So I understand a little bit behind the scenes what that relationship looks like. But what's your experience been for you guys so far? You know, it's, it's been unbelievable. And I give the credit to him because he's made it easy for me. I think one... He's a, a very good player, so and he worked really hard coming into his first fall. So I think he did have the advantage of being around me for so long. Like he knew how to be ready. I think a lot of freshmen don't know how to be ready when they show up on campus. So he was ready, played really well in the fall, um, and he really wanted to make his mark on his own. Right. So uh, he kept his distance from me, kept his nose down, and just did his thing. Um, and, he, and he worked really hard so he was ready so in one sense he made it easy for me because it wasn't a, a borderline case of where he fell on the roster mm-hmm. you know if, if we were going to do anything this year we were going to need him on the mound so I think that, that made it easy for me but I also think what made the situation work really well is the type of kid we have in our program our, our team was really really good with him and treating him like just another guy um and so you know they didn't look at him funny i think they respected him for his ability they respected him as an individual i think they were able to separate you know tim the ball player and tim the teammate from the coach's son and and i think that made it easy for the both of us um you know you know we're you know one year into this you know i'm sure there'll be some some rocky roads on the time but you know, I credit the kids, I credit him for, do, for you know, making it work so far. You know, and then you, you mentioned a little bit about the recruiting process. You know, I, I have newfound sympathy for parents because, you know, here I've spent my whole life coaching and recruiting and everything else, and I felt sometimes like, like a headless horseman in the process, you know. Um, you know, you're trying to evaluate, you're trying to evaluate your son independently, you're trying to evaluate what's a good school for him. You know, I was really lucky that he was a good fit for our school independently of the baseball. And I think the way you've heard me talk during this podcast, I believe so much in the school. Like, I really wanted him to be a part of it. And I think all those things came together and it has made it, it a you know, great experience. And for, for a coach, you guys probably heard this from other coaches you talk to or understand it is, you know, when you coach college baseball and, you know, you miss a lot of your kids' games. So, you know, oh, I yeah. never was able to coach him in Little League. You know, I, I missed a couple of his high school football games. You know, I, I missed a lot, and now I feel really lucky that now I get to spend, you know, every practice and every game with him, and I'm getting that back that, that maybe I, I gave up earlier. So, so I, I consider myself extremely lucky that it's worked out and that I have a chance to... Uh, coach him and have him around me for sure that's awesome and it's like you said it's always easier when your son is actually good at baseball like i've seen plenty of mediocre coaches sons so that's that's always a tough position when you have a coach's son that's not that good yeah and he made it easy and i think his his um he was hungry and he took nothing for granted you know he went in hungry and he knew he'd have to earn it and he understood that you know the coach wants to win and he plays only the players that he thinks are going to help him win and, and 
Right. And he was motivated. He he wanted to be one of those guys, so he he worked really hard. And he was ready when he came in. Yeah. So the last question here before we finish up with our last couple of uh, rapid fire questions. Uh, so we are the Division Three's finest podcast. I've probably mentioned that like 15 times now. So typically, whenever we have guests on the show from the Division Three baseball world, we have them tell their best Division Three stories. Uh, now you've been coaching for a while now. You also played at Princeton, uh, so I'm sure you're full of baseball stories. But what's maybe one or two of your most memorable baseball stories, either from your coaching or playing days? You know, when you guys told me you were going to ask ask that, you know, I. I have a million memorable stories. I'm not a great storyteller to get you guys belly laughing about anything, but the, <laughs> the one thing I just so much appreciate about baseball and Division Three baseball in particular is is how hard the kids work, not as baseball players, but just how hard they have to work to do college baseball. I mean, we do the tarp early in the morning. Yep. You know, we rake the then field, then. we fix the mound. You know, double headers, you know, when I get great food in between. And, you know, the thing that I love is, like, we're doing those 7 a.m. top pulls on a cold New England April morning. You know, our feet are wet and the guys are laughing and they're full of energy and they're excited about playing. That, that's what I really love about it. So, to me, like, that's what, like, a Division three baseball player is all about. It, it's that type of thing. There's no other sport at any level where the players take care of the field, you know, they sweep the dugouts, they pick the weeds, you know, first day of the fall, you know, we, we, we the pitchers picking weeds, you know, we, we're getting infielders raking the infield, it's like, like all those things, like I, I love about uh, Division Three baseball, but, you know, you know, as far as baseball, you know, like some, some good memories, you know, I, I think about some exciting wins. I think about some devastating losses, but but I really think think about like just you know the bus rides with the kids, the laughter in the dugout. You know maybe I did something stupid. I said something stupid, and they all get a good chuckle about me. You know, I think that's what base. I think that's what baseball is, and and I don't think there's any other sport um, that has that type of camaraderie. And, you know, we spend so much time together. It's like coaches of other sports just, I, I don't think, can understand that. And to me, that's Division Three, that's baseball, and then, you know, just the, the mind to Division Three baseball player. That's what it is yeah. to me. No, awesome. I think you, yeah, I think you know it right on the head. That's that a pretty good answer for sure. Um, so I think we're just getting ready to finish things off. A couple more rapid-fire questions, um, you know, similar like we did before. Uh, a little lighter, still a little baseball-oriented. Um, so you ready to wrap this up? Yeah. Awesome. All right. So being, uh, you know, being in D- Division Three, the travel budget might not always be the best. So what is your longest bus ride that you've had to go on uh, during your coaching career? And on that bus ride, what is your go-to gas station snack? Ah, uh, so, so when I was – Coaching at, at Northeastern, we had really long bus trips. But but in Batson, in Division Three, the Northeast New England, we don't have bad bus trips at all. Our our longest trip um, that we play is when we go from Babson to Southern Maine, and that's uh, that's only about two two hours and fifteen minutes. So so we've just been nice. and out, and I'm and I I'm one of those guys. We don't stop. We uh, <laughs> we get on that bus and we just we plow home. I, we we want to get home. I want to get home. So we don't do the gas station uh, stops. We're fortunate that I mean, in, in New England, you don't have to uh, worry about that stuff. 
Oh, yeah, I'm jealous, actually. Our longest was 18 hours, so I can't really relate yeah. to that. Oh, that's awful, yeah. I don't know if I've been coaching 18 years if I had bus trips that long. <laughs> well, lucky you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so like you say you've been coaching a while. Uh, been at BAP since 2003. So in your opinion, what's the biggest change in, in Division Three baseball or just the baseball world in general uh, from now compared to when you started at Babson? I think I think now there's so many schools that have hired full-time coaches, and and there's so many people that want to be good. You know, when I started at Babson, I was the I think the second full-time coach in our league. Now all the coaches are full-time in our league. Basically, everybody we play um, is a full-time coach, and that you know the expectations are high. You have a full-time coach; he's expected to recruit and um, you know put a good team on the field. So there's so many. So many people really working at it. You know, my first year of college coaching, I told you before, was 1991. Mm-hmm. I was a part-time assistant. But the head coach at Division One Northeastern was part-time. Um, and you looked around New England, wow. there was only a handful of full-time coaches. So that landscape has changed, and has changed certainly at the Division Three level in my time at Babson. And I think what, what that's allowed for is a really good product on the field. There's so many good programs. There's so many good options. There's so many good coaches. There's so many people working at it that Division mm-hmm. Three baseball now is an exciting sport. Mm-hmm. For sure. So next question uh, is that what's the most important quality in a ball player you're looking for when you're recruiting? I think uh, hands down the, the player just has to love baseball, love to play. It's got to be important to them. I think mm-hmm. there's plenty of good players. I think there's talent you know, all over the place. But if you can find a collection of guys that really love to play baseball, you're going to be successful. Because all the other things will fall into place. If they love to play, you know, they're going to do well in school. They're going to be good citizens. They're not going to screw around in the dorms. You know, they're going to be focused on it. So to me, without question, is finding people that baseball is really important to them. Sure. What was your best moment during your playing career at Princeton? Uh, my, my best moment, um, my junior year, I, uh, I, I pitched a one nothing shutout against the University of Pennsylvania. We ended up winning the league that year and going on to the NCAA tournament, but we were uh-huh. kind of neck and neck with them in the standings, and I probably pitched my best game against them. Oh, yeah. I, that, I would say so. That's, that's pretty impressive. Doug, Doug, uh, Doug, so- Doug Glanville was a uh, freshman. Uh, on that on that team, and you could tell that he was oh. going to be special. So they they were loaded. So I think that day was probably my best my best day. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so last one here, uh, pretty light, uh, but pretty important. What is your favorite baseball movie of all time? Oh, I love them all. I, I really do, and it depends on kind of the season and the mood okay. I'm in. So if I can give you a couple of them. Yeah, you know, when I'm, when sure. I'm looking for like just like the real kind of baseball kind of inside game, you know, you in a little bit of laughter, you got to go with the Bull Durham. Um, oh yeah. When, when I'm in kind of like my mode and my kind of you know intellectual mode, I, I think about for the love of the game. Um, mm-hmm. I used to teach high school um, before I was a, a head coach, and, and one of the English teachers. Gave me the book before, long before the movie. Says you got to read this, and the book is phenomenal. So I kind of those are like my my one and two. Um, you know, I still chuckle at the Sandlot. I, I still love uh, the early days of the Bad News Bears. 
yeah. You know, I was playing Little League when that came out. So I, I think that, but I can honestly say I, I'm a sucker that when I click through the MLB channel and a baseball movie comes on, I'm stuck um, mm. for the duration of it. I love them all. That's a good top four. That's a good uh, Mount Rushmore of mm-hmm. favorite baseball movies there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all we have for the podcast. Thank you again for coming on the show. We really appreciate your time, and you know this was a lot of fun, and we, got, we wish you the best of luck moving forward at Babson. All right, well, I appreciate you guys uh, digging me out of the, uh, you know, the, the list of guys that you have and, and having me on and talk a little bit baseball <laughs> on the, uh, the quarantine here. So appreciate it. And I, I wish you guys good luck on I love what you're doing for uh, not only Division Three sports, but uh, baseball in particular. So thank you to you guys. Yeah, it's Kay Weezy, and we back. The rise to the throne. And the... Yeah. Ben Franklin's. Ben Franklin's. I got so much money, it's like I own a money tree. All these people phonies just wanna be like me. Your baddest girl be all on my D. The stuff you pay for for me, it's free. Because I got Ben Franklin's, I got Ben Franklin's No need for hatin', I'm not a doctor, I ain't got patience All I got is papers and a lot of haters Shout out to my home dog, they all got prayers